Hey, so good to see you guys today. We are in part four of a series uh, called What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. I want to say hello to all those tuning in on Facebook. Hey, special shout out to Kim. Thanks for watching, praying for you this week. And I uh, want to just say um, it's good to have you guys uh, tuning in with us today. Uh, if you're in church service today, we're uh, going to finish a series. Uh, really, this series is, a, is a, a series on spiritual warfare. And so a unique title for a series on spiritual warfare, um, and which we'll talk about. Uh, but if you missed the last three weeks, go, go catch up and hear them because uh, they're, they're crucial to the whole series. And today we're going to wrap it up. I won't do a lot of review, just jump into what uh, we're supposed to talk about today. And so, um, you know, in, in our world, when we face difficulties and we face challenges, you know, uh, when, when you look at the media, we look at the world, there's these moments where things pop up and we feel overwhelmed, not really sure what to do. Uh, as I parent, and I, there's moments where my kids, you know, they'll, they'll be faced with different challenges and even things that they're being told at school where you're kind of like, man, what, how do I approach this situation? What am I supposed to do? Not quite sure what to do in this situation. Um, and one of the things that principles that this whole series I want to really drive home is we tend to think only in the physical realm and in, the, in, the, in what's happening in the physical. We tend to try to address things only through the physical and we a lot of times neglect that there's actually something behind the scenes that's happening in the unseen realm, in the spiritual realm. And so um, the first week I said this, if, if all you see is what you see, then you do not see all there is to see. There's more to see than just the five senses and just to understand what's going on in our world. We're not just physical. Uh, there's something else going on. In fact, if we're going to navigate the physical well, we need to learn to navigate the spiritual well as, as well. It, it, it takes both um, because that's the dynamic the Bible talks about is there's more going on than we can actually see. There's a dynamic at play in the, un, in the unseen. In fact, one of the words for hell, Hades, um, the, the idea behind it is the unseen kingdom. It's the unseen kingdom of darkness of the, of the devil. And so Hades actually, hell actually means it's an unseen kingdom that's at work. Um, and, and, and the devil and demons try to bring that reality to earth all the time. Um, and they can only do it uh, by us giving them the authority or giving them the power to do so. And so um, the first week we talked about that, we established that, hey, there's, there's a battle going on for your soul. It's a life and death battle, but it's an unseen battle. It's not a physical battle, but a spiritual battle. And then the last couple of weeks, we talked about how God has given us some resources and tools to be able to overcome and not just overcome, but even have more on the other side when it comes to these battles. Um, so for the, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about that. And um, it's, it's um, important that we know that. So here's what we said is we're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. Don't ever forget that. When you face things in life and they're difficult and you don't know what to do, just remember, you're not just a physical being. You're actually a spiritual being. And this is just a, a part of the reality we're in now when it comes to the physical. And, uh, and, but God is saying there's more to the story than just what you can see, just once you can hear, what you can taste, what you can, um, what you can, um, all, all, all with our five senses. There's more to it. Um, and, and we find ourselves in these. In fact, you know, um, with, with the unseen, when it comes to the unseen, there are unseen realities in our world that we embrace every single day. You know, this, this uh, last few months, I've been training for the 500. So next Sunday, uh, our team will, will gather and meet up at Farmington. And on Monday, we'll start the trek across the state, 500 miles. We do this every, every fall. Uh, we ride 500 miles across the state to raise money for missionaries, for organizations. It's like a charity ride where we raise money for organizations that do a lot of good. 
And so every year we'll raise somewhere around $70,000, $80,000 as a team um, for these organizations to buy them vehicles. And so because we, we say we'll ride our bikes to help you not have to ride your bikes. We'll ride our bikes so you can have better equipment, better vehicles. And so we buy, like this year we're buying a van for Teen Challenge uh, who works with uh, people that have addictions and they help them to break that, those addictions and, and become free. So they need, they, they're growing. That, that's a ministry, that's, that organization that's growing a lot. And so they need more resources. So we're going to buy them a 15-passenger van this year from our, our bike ride. And so every year our church participates. This is number the, the, the actually the eighth year we've been doing it. And since we've been a church, every year our, our, we've sent team members to go and ride uh, uh, with them. And so, hey, if you want to give, next week we'll do a special offering. But if you want to give any, any time up to that point, you can see we're, we're sharing a lot on Facebook, social media. But anyways, the whole point is, is what I'm saying is in the, in the spring I begin to train for the September ride. You don't just jump on your bike ride for 500 miles. You really got to train for it. And every, every spring when I get my bike, this year I had a little bit of training in the winter, but not so much. Typically I take a break. And um, I, as I begin to train, there's this force that is unseen that when I get on my bike makes it really, really difficult to ride my bike. In fact, I, I get on 14, I start riding south, and uh, no sooner as I get on it, I begin to feel this force pushing against me. And depending on how fast this force is moving will determine how fast I will move accordingly to that, to that, that counterforce. Um, and and that's, that's one force, and we all we all believe in this force because we feel it in the air, we see it in the trees. Um, this force is called wind, right? It's an unseen force that's there, but it's a dynamic that's at play all the time. And on my bike, when I ride in the wind, and you feel it, whether it's from the left or the right, from behind, behind it's nice because it's pushing you faster, but in front of you, it's it's slowing you down. It's a force that keeps you from moving the, the, the fastest you can. And there's another force at work that actually makes it cycling actually harder also is especially when you go up a mountain and you begin to climb hills, you feel a lot. Uh, this force is unseen also, and it's called gravity. It's always pulling back, right? And so th- as you climb up, up these hills, I feel if the wind's blowing, the gravity's pulling, you have this resistance that's actually keeping you from moving the best you could possibly move. Uh, now, when I first started cycling, I thought those were the worst. I hated wind. I hated the gravity, the fact that it was hard. But as you get better, you realize that um, they're actually not bad. They actually develop you to become stronger. And when you face opposition and you face those things and, and you push through, you actually become stronger. And the, the very resistance that was trying to slow you down becomes the very thing that makes you stronger and you become faster at it. Well, this last year, um, I was having a conversation with um, a really good cyclist who's in our church. When I say good cyclist, I mean like a really, really good cyclist, all right? And uh, we're having this conversation about bike riding and, and, and cycling, and I, I always want to go fast. Like, I, I do pretty good for the 500, but I've always wanted to be a really fast rider. Like, so when I see fast guys going, I just I can't keep up with them. Um, and it's so like this cyclist, I wouldn't be able to keep up with him if he was growing his full speed and just not fast enough. So I wanted to, and, but, but and he says, well, you know what's going to take? We had this conversation, like, I know, four, four more times a week, get on the bike, riding hard, consistently, and probably the year-round. He's like, yeah, you can't stop, you can't take breaks, you have to just keep going. And that's my problem is I take a break through the winter. I don't like riding winter. He says, yeah, you're kind of like a seasonal cyclist. And I'm like, oh, oh, that hurts. He said it in love. It wasn't a bad comment, but it was true. I'm a seasonal cyclist. So I jump up in the spring, ride to the fall, and then I take a break for a while, right? Because 500 miles in your butt is a lot of riding. So you take a break. Um, but I'm a seasonal, seasonal, seasonal cyclist. And one of the reasons I'm not as good as I could be is because I don't do it year-round. I'm only seasonal. I do it for a moment. Um, and I was thinking about this as I, as I was training and as, I, as I'm preparing for the fall and even this, this series, I, I begin to think, you know what, I'm a seasonal cyclist. And the reason I don't see the success that I really could see and really want to see is because I'm not in it completely. It's just a part-time thing, right? And I thought, you know, in life, I think there's a lot of people even in this room who are kind of like that. You know, maybe, maybe the term seasonal Christian would work, right? 
we, we're part-time Christians. We're, we're, we're there when we really need something from God, but the rest of the time it's kind of like we'll back off and you, you do your thing, he does his thing, and, and, and you know, he's there when I need him. Um, and the truth is, if you live that way, you'll never see the success and the results that you could possibly that you could have if you would be full, completely in. Same with marriage, with business, right? I think sometimes we're seasonal in the fact that we approach to, to get things better, but then we back off once it's better. But if you really want to be successful, you have to keep going nonstop, just completely 100% in. Um, and in, in this series, my hope is that we would, we would begin to realize that God has so much more for us than we can even understand. In fact, Ephesians actually says that. If you read the book of Ephesians, there's a part that says even more than you can ever hope for or think, like he has some great things for you if you can just realize it. Paul realized that, and he's trying to help us to see it. So whenever we face resistance, whenever we're facing things, um, especially the unseen, you can see it as a bad thing, or you can begin to recognize that this actually could be a good thing that God can use. And uh, he gives us the ability to overcome these things. Uh, there's a story in the Old Testament in Second Chronicles uh, chapter 20 where the king Josephat, uh, he's gonna. He, he's the people come and tell him, King, we're surrounded by a vast army. In fact, it was three nations that came to attack his country and his his kingdom. And uh, the army surrounds him. And it says that Jehoshaphat didn't know what to do, so he gathered everybody to pray. And it says this. This is the statement he makes. He says, "For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. So, what do you do when you don't know?" what to do. We're going to learn some principles out of Jehoshaphat in a second, because um, they show us. This is what you're supposed to do. When you don't know what to do, here's what you need to do. But let me tell you a story first. There's a story of a, of a chess champion. He's a chess master. Uh, chess, like at the board game, right? Now. Uh, and so um, when, when he, he's visiting a friend in the East Coast, and when he goes to his friend's house, he notices painting on the wall. And it's a painting of two people playing chess. And he notices, he looks closer, he's, he's, he gets to the chess board, and he sees one figure uh, who looks pretty confident, like he's winning the game, and a young man who's pretty stressed out. And he notices the title of the, the painting is called Checkmate. Well, in chess, if you know what checkmate is, it means that the, the, the opponent has made the move that has said, now I've, I've just defeated you. I made the final move. Now I have won this match. And the young guy is studying this board thinking, maybe he missed something. There has to be something else here going on. So this chess master, he's really intrigued by this picture. And in his picture, it's a picture of Satan and a young man. It's a battle for the soul. And Satan is just made this claim that he has won the game and it is over. He is no longer can do anything. So the chess master looks at the board a little bit and he sees the, uh, the, the struggle the young man's in and he sees the, the pride and arrogance of, of, the, of the enemy there playing this game. And, and, and he's sitting there and he says to his friend, hey, do you have a chessboard somewhere around? He says, yeah, they pull the chessboard out and they set it up by the painting and uh, he begins to set the board up exactly like it is on the, on the painting. And so he looks at the board, he looks at the painting, he can only look at the young man and think of what he was feeling in that moment of not knowing what to do when you're in that situation. Like, man, this game is over. It's lost. And, and, and he looks at his board, looks at the painting, and he begins to study the board from different angles. And this chess master all of a sudden has a smile come across his face. And he realizes, you know, it says checkmate, and, and it looks like the, the enemy has won, but there's something that the enemy doesn't know is that he neglected one move. And he looks at the painting and says, young man, I know in this moment right now, it doesn't look like you're going to win. It looks hopeless. It looks like you've been overcome. It looks like you're defeated. But I have some good news for you. There's one more move for you to make. And it's not just a move to get you out of the dangerous situation in. It's actually a move you could make to win the game. I think in life, a lot of times, the strategy of the enemy is to make us feel like we're defeated, like we've lost, that we'll never be good enough, we'll never overcome, that the kingdom of darkness is so much greater than the kingdom of, of light. And, and, and there's this, this, this deception and lie in our world 
And things won't get better, and they can't get better. And we face different challenges in culture, right? Culture says, hey, you should believe this. And we're like, no, that's not what the Bible says. That's contrary to the Bible. Like, that's not going to end well. But then culture just makes you feel like, like if you don't believe this, then you're, you know, all these different things. And you're like, no, that's not what Scripture says. And it can be very, very difficult to know how do we stand in a culture that is opposed to God and his values and his morals and his standards. What do you do when you don't know what to do? The enemy will want to make us think that we're defeated. I love in the Old Testament, there's all these stories of the individuals who were in cultures that were so pagan and far from God, yet God used individuals to make a difference even in those nations who were far from God. In fact, in the book of Daniel, Daniel in the song we sing about the three men in the fire, right? The three young men in the fire. God used them to make a difference. And in fact, three different kings all acknowledged that God, of, uh, that God was God of all. Like they, weren't, they weren't the God. They weren't the most powerful, actually, God of Israel, the Hebrews, that Yahweh, he was the God. And in the story of them living in a pagan nation, they actually came to acknowledge that God is God because of the miracles and because of how God stepped into, into these stories. It's amazing to see through Scripture over and over that God is saying, hey, in the middle of this, when it looks like the battle's been won and you're, you're defeated, you're, you're, you're struggling, don't, 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 don't forget that I've already won the war. The story's been, the story's, the end has already been written. We know what's going to happen. You, you read the Bible, God won. On the cross, Christ defeated Satan. He defeated Satan. Now, Satan doesn't want us to know that he's a defeated being. He wants us to, 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 to be impacted and affected by his, his uh, influence in our world. But just remember, like I said the first week, he only has the influence and the power that we give to him. That's what he did to Adam and Eve. He tricked them, deceived them to get the authority from them. So he's, he, only give, he only has what we give to him. God has defeated him. Jesus defeated him on the cross. He took back the authority, and he now gives it to, to us to use. So the book of Ephesians, we've been challenging to read this whole month, the book of Ephesians, every day, read a chapter, do some different things with it as we've gone through the series. Um, in, in this book, Paul is talking about, it's written to Christians. So today, if you're here, you're not a Christian, um, you're going to learn some really good insights. In fact, I would encourage you to read the book of Ephesians uh, to see what benefits Christians have. Because a lot of times we think as Christians, like our, the benefit of being a Christ follower is we have heaven. And if that was the only benefit, that would still be worth following Christ. No, you know, that's going to be awesome. To be able to be part of the kingdom of God in that, in that way is going to be amazing. But the book of Ephesians is really pointing to us saying, hey, there's a lot of benefits here on earth. Like you don't have to wait to heaven to have everything. You actually can have all of that here on earth. Like there's, there's resources and tools available to you to be an overcomer. In fact, more than an overcomer, to be successful and to be able to bring heaven to earth. In fact, Jesus said like this, all the things that I've done here on earth to his disciples, you're going to do even greater things. Like Jesus believes that we as, as Christ followers can do even greater things than Jesus did in the stories of the Bible. When I read that, I'm like, I don't know. That's pretty impressive what he did. I don't know if I could do more. Well, obviously he said it, so he believes it. So what is that? Well, we see people like Paul and Peter, some of the disciples, they believed it. They tapped into it. So as Paul's writing to the, to the Christians in, in, in Ephesus, the church there, he's saying, hey, guys, don't forget, there's all these things available to you. There's a lot of benefits to following Christ. And in the middle, when you're facing things, you're going to be an overcomer if you will trust him in those things. And so this whole series has been on the last part of the, of the book uh, of Ephesians, on chapter 6. And it really talks about the, the weapons and the tools he's given us to be able to overcome. So let's, let's pick up on that in that book. Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through 17 says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and put on his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So Paul says, if, if you read that through the book, he's saying, all right, it's because of grace, it's because of Christ that we actually can have a better future. Because of Christ, we can have forgiveness. We can have grace that God offers to us. So to put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
And so the first week we talked about the enemy, the enemy, the devil, and, and demons, and how he's scheming, deceptive schemes, to try to ruin your life, to try to bring you down. Non-stop, all the time, scheming how to bring you down. And he's saying, hey, if you'll put on the full armor of God, you can actually stand against those schemes. You, you can have more with it, um, more, more, more in your life than you realize. He goes on and says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of, that dark, of, of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, because our battle is not against people, but against uh, the spirit of darkness, stand firm then. Um, no, put, therefore, put on the armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. So another, another translation says, so uh, put on, put on the, every piece of armor so you'll be able to resist the, the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. So when, the, when that day of evil comes, and that's the, the test, it's the temptation, it's the, it's the diagnosis, the, the, the hard things that come to us all of a sudden. In those, in those battles, he's saying, hey, stand, stand, stand firm. Because at the end of this, you're not going to just overcome. You're going to have so much more on the other side if you, will, if you will trust God in this. So he's saying, I'm going to give you some tools. So he says, stand firm then with the battle of truth, buckle around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Your feet fitted with the redness comes from the gospel of peace. He goes on and says, here's the weapons. And we talked to these six, seven weapons, um, uh, six weapons for the last uh, few weeks. So belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, protecting our hearts, the shoes of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. Um, and if you notice that these, the, most of these weapons are defensive weapons, and it covers us from our feet to our head, right? So from our head to our feet, we are protected from the enemy. And they're different aspects of our life and how we live. And so this armor that he gives us actually protects us on our journey and on, in this battle. And it's important to have the equipment on because if you don't have the equipment on, you're susceptible to the arrows and, and that, that fly from the enemy that, that will destroy. Remember, it's not a physical battle. We think physical. It's a spiritual thing that's going on. So you can't see the armor, but they're there. You can't see the arrows that are shot, but they're there. And the enemy's coming. And last week we, said, we talked about the sword of the spirit, which really is a defensive, but it's also an offensive weapon. Um, and, and we talked about how we can use that. But even that is only contingent upon how far the person that holds it can actually swing and, and use, right? That's how far that weapon can be used. Well, today, I want to talk about another weapon that he gives us in this, cha- in this chapter, and it's, pri- it's the most powerful weapon that he gives us as, as Christians, as people, uh, that we can use on a daily basis. Now, I don't know about you, but if, if, if you knew there was a weapon that you can use to make a difference in, in the battle that you face and in the, in the, in the challenges that come your way, wouldn't you want to use that? And once you want to know how to use it and, and learn more about it, um, as we talk about today, my hope is that you would grab this and begin to realize, wow, he's given me the ability, Paul says it like this, to bring down strongholds and to, and to, 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 to destroy the enemy and all that he has, like his kingdom. Like this weapon, it, it makes a difference. It changes things in our lives. Paul says it like this, as we continue in Ephesians, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. The weapon he gives us is prayer. It is the strongest, the greatest weapon that God gives to us as, as Christ followers, as people. And when we pray, we can actually bring about a, a change and a difference. So remember, kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. They're both looking for vehicles in whom they can bring um, their kingdoms into, into the reality. So heaven is a reality. Hell is a reality. Heaven doesn't start when you die. Actually, eternal life starts the moment you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. It, it's the moment you say, God, I, I want to follow your lead. That's when eternal life starts. And it means that you bring heaven in every moment, everywhere you go, with you. You bring heaven to earth to defeat darkness and the kingdom of hell. Um, so he says with all kinds of prayers and requests. You know, there's different kinds of prayers, right? Uh, praise can be a prayer. Um, Thanksgiving can be a prayer. 
um, supplications, asking God for things. Those are different kinds of prayers. And this, he's saying, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. So he's saying, be aware. Be, know that you're, you're in a battle, but, but God has already given you the ability to overcome, be successful. He's given you the resources and the tools to be able to, to stand against the enemy. But at the same time, be, be aware and alert. Because he's going to look for any moment, any opportunity to be able to sneak in and take you out. So be alert. And he says also, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will, be fearless, I, will make, I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare fearlessly as I should. So Paul then says, all right, and now as you're praying, pray for me also that I would be able to accomplish God's purposes. So pray for, your, pray for the saints, partner with God uh, in these things. And Paul is saying we need, to, we need to partner with what God is wanting to do. Uh, in fact, Jesus, when uh, the last statement that he makes to his disciples, he dies on the cross. He comes back to life three days later, right? We celebrate Easter. That's what we celebrate Easter. And he spends 40 days with his disciples, training and teaching them. And then he goes back to heaven. And his departing words are these, uh, Matthew 28. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus says, I've, I've been given all the authority in heaven and on earth. Authority is an important word in, in scriptures, right? The enemy wants authority, so he has more power. Uh, Jesus took that authority away from him on the cross and, and coming back to life from the dead. He's saying that I, I have all authority on earth and in heaven. And he goes on and says, therefore, because I have the authority, I'm going to give it. Now you go and make disciples, go into the world and, and do it. What, what he's saying is, because I've been given the authority, I'm now going to pass that authority on to you. As he passes on to his disciples, that authority, he says, go and go and live, go and use these resources, this authority to make a difference with your life. Uh, Revelations 12, 11 uh, John tells us that the way that Christians defeated the enemy and will defeat the enemy by three things, right? And it says they defeated him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb. Same thing Paul's saying in Ephesians. It's by grace, because of the cross, because of what God has done. It's his sacrifice. It's by the blood of his sacrifice that we overcome the enemy. But then it's not just stopped there. Now it's also because of their testimony, the word of their testimony. What is a testimony? A testimony is, is, is the, um, what you're part of the story, what, what's taking place in your life or what you've seen or you, what you witnessed, right? So they call you on the, on the witness stand in court and they say, what, you, give us your testimony of what took place. You would share your story of what took place. So it, uh, really a testimony, what it is, is at some point in your life, you have faced a, faced a trial and you have overcome that test. So you overcame and on the other side, you're actually better. So not only were you tested, but you overcame it. Now you have a testimony. You, you, you have a, a story. You're a witness to what God has done. And our lives, when we live on a daily basis of saying, God, we follow you, our life is a testimony. So it's the way we live. So the, the blood of the lamb, the things God's done in our life, what we continue to do. And then it says they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. And the third thing is they loved God's kingdom so much that they didn't let the influence of the world dictate what they would say or what they would not say. Uh, Paul, we see this in Paul's life, right? They arrest him and they say, Paul, if you don't stop speaking, speaking about Jesus, we're going to beat you. And, and they beat him. They whip him and they beat him. And he says, I can't stop. Like, I have a call that I can't, I have to use my life to help others. This is too good to stop. I can't stop sharing the gospel. And they say, fine. Well, that doesn't work. Then we're going to imprison you. He says, that's fine. I'll write some books. That's why he's in prison. He's writing books to all these churches he started. And he's helping them to know the promises of God. They said, fine, if you don't stop that, if you keep doing it, you don't stop, we're going to kill you. He's like, that's great. Go ahead and kill me because my story is going to help other people know. They couldn't defeat Paul. Why? Because he didn't love his life where he was a point where he was afraid to die. He said, I love Christ more than that because life is more than just my body. Life is more than just these years on earth. It's, it's beyond that. 
And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, because of the life and the testimony that God gave us, gives us, and because we're not afraid to say, hey, even if people don't like what we believe in, people don't want that, I'm going to continue to follow Christ no matter what. We, they overcome the enemy because they're saying we're in, we're all in. We're not uh, seasonal Christians. We're committed, all in, followers of Christ. There's, there's nothing holding us back. Uh, so Jesus tells them, go and make disciples, right? Because I've given, given authority, now you go and do it. Go, go make disciples of all the nations, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So not only am I going to give you the authority, he says, but I'm going to be with you. I'm going to send you a helper. We're going to help you on this journey. You're going to be able to, to overcome. So when it comes to prayer, if prayer is our greatest weapon, what exactly is prayer? Well, prayer is communication, right? It's a conversation that we have. But here's what correct prayer is. Correct prayer is not praying to God and asking for things. Correct prayer is actually praying with God. If you know what effective prayer is, it's praying what God wants you to pray. It's praying what God has already spoken. It's praying what God wants to do on the earth. So if all resources, like Paul says, all, all the inheritance and the riches of Christ are given to us as Christians, right? Like it's available to us. The real question is, can he trust you with it? Are you going to use it for, for your own good? Or are you going to use it for the, the good of others and for the kingdom of God and for the glory of God? How are you going to use it? Because it's available to us. Well, Correct praying is really saying, God, you're, you're letting me have the ability to access these things. Let me move forward. So I think too, too few Christians have understanding that we actually have the ability to access all of the things that the kingdom of God has to offer. And we can make a difference here on the earth to those people around us in, in the lives around us. If you would just say, God, I want to bring your kingdom to earth. In fact, Jesus' prayer. What is his prayer? Right? The Lord's prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right? You recognize it's about God, his kingdom. And the first thing is not, hey, God, help me have a great day today. The first thing is, your kingdom come, your will be done on what? On earth as it is in heaven. You're inviting God to make the reality of heaven be the reality wherever you go here on earth. Is there sickness in heaven? No. So you bring healing and health everywhere you go. You have the ability to tap into that and say, God, because of what you did on the cross, I have access to this. Help me now to use this as I go forward to cast out demons, to, 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 to dispel darkness wherever you go, that everywhere you go, you're making a difference with your life. That's what praying the Spirit is. It's praying with God in partnership with him, the prayers that he wants you to pray. And the more you understand scriptures, the more you understand the promises he makes, the more you begin to pray those, the more effective your, your prayer life and, and the difference you'll make on, this, on the earth. Why? Because you're praying with God, not just to God. It, it's saying, God, I, I want to be part of what you're doing. Uh, so what do I do when I don't know what to do? That's the question we have to ask, right? In this series, when we're facing something, remember, it's not just physical. There's a spirituality going on. So what do you do when you, you're fighting a battle you can't see? What, what's, what, do you, what do you do in the middle of that? Well, it says that the, the story that we talked about a while ago with Jehoshaphat being surrounded by this, these three kingdoms, this vast army, it says he was alarmed and that he resolved to inquire and ask the Lord for what to do next. So he brought all the people together, right? And he says they came from every town to seek God. And, and he makes a statement, for we have no power to face this vast army. This is his prayer. Uh, that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but notice what he says, but our what? eyes are on you. So I don't know what to do, God, but we're going to pray. We're going to seek you because you know more than we do. So we're going to put our, our, our attention to you. And it says that Jehoshaphat stood up before the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, and he, and he began to pray and ask God to do this. Um, and, and it says this, that all the men with their wives and children, little ones, stood before the Lord. And then after they prayed their prayer, in, in chapter 14, um, of Second uh, Chronicles, it says, the Spirit came to a man um, named Jehaziel, and 
Um, and he spoke to, spoke to this prophet, right? This, this prophet, and he says, this is what the prophet says. Listen, King Josaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. That's a really important phrase right there. God is speaking to the king and the people saying, hey, guys, don't worry about the army. It's really big. It looks like it's going to destroy you. It looks like it's going to overcome. Don't worry. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid because this battle is actually not even your battle. It's God's battle. They're not messing with you. They're messing with God. And when you mess with God, you're in trouble, right? He says, so they're messing with God. Just, just, he says, tomorrow, march down against them. They're going to be climbing up this part. You're going to see them there. And he says, you, you, you will, you'll not have to fight this battle. In fact, um, you'll be able to take up your, your position, stand firm and from a distance, and you'll be able to just watch what God does. So don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And he says it again. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Uh, just, just face out tomorrow. You'll see what the Lord has done. And it says they bow down and they worship, and they begin to just thank God for the word that he gave them. Um, so they believe it. So the next morning they, they get up, right? They, they believe what God says. They begin to march out towards the desert of Tekoa. And, it's, and, and they set out, and, Jeros, and Josaphat, he, he stood up and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Israel, have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting uh, the people, it says that he appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him. So he got the band together, right? He says, We're going to go out with praising and celebration because God has declared that we're going to win this battle. And he says, uh, so they went out there and they began to sing, saying, give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever. And it says they began to sing, something took place. So I can imagine Josephat, he got his arm, his band together, and said, all right, the army's going to be here, band's going to be there, we're going to go out, and we're going to just celebrate. And so they got their trumpeteers, right? And they... It's pretty good, right? Now, one horn's pretty good, but when you get a couple horns out there, it's even better, right? Come, come on, come on, trumpet players, where you guys at? Woo, that sounds good. Now, if you can imagine a, a, an army of these, these guys celebrating and singing these songs and, and going out, um, that in itself is kind of intimidating itself, right? They're making this noise. And in fact, on Friday night, we were at the game at Santa Fe High, cheering on Trent and his team. Uh, fighting Las Vegas, and uh, we'd get these trumpets out. What are these called? Not trumpets. What are these called? That, yeah, those those things. Um, and so um, we'd pull these things out, and 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 every time the offense, the other team would be there, and they're trying to talk to the coach, and we're blowing these horns like, ah, defense, come on, and they can't hear, right? It's a little confusion there because this is a battle. Our team's got to win. We're going to take out the enemy, and so we're trying to bring confusion to them and not let them communicate as well. Well, this is, what, this is kind of like the idea of prayer and, and what takes place. Remember, prayer is not just asking God for things. Prayer is also, praise could also be praying, thanking God for what he's done. That's a form of prayer. Thanksgiving, right, and, and gratitude. Those are all forms of us saying, God, you're good. That's a form of communication. It's a form of prayer to God. And what happens when we pray those kind of prayers, we actually set in confusion to the enemy. Like he can't stand the presence of, of, of God's people, the, the, his, God's presence, because the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of the people, right? So he's in the middle of those praises. There's a dynamic that's at play that the kingdom of light shows up in a greater measure, and it brings confusion to the enemy. So they're blowing their horns. I, I can only imagine when we're praying, it's kind of like we begin to blow this trumpet, and the kingdom of darkness can't stand around like, man, I hate that praise stuff. I hate them singing about God, how good he is. I'm out of here. Like they can't stand it. They can't be around it. It's one of the reasons we start our service off with prayer and with, with singing and, and songs of, of, of celebration because we're saying, all right, we want people to be free in this place. We want the kingdom of light to break through and the kingdom of darkness to be dispelled. 
We want them to, to, to not be able to make a difference. And so we begin to lift up our, our songs and our praise. So the enemy is confused. He goes off. And it says in the, in the story that um, as they begin to sing and praise, the Lord sent an ambush against the men of, uh, of these three kingdoms. They were trying to invade Judah, and they were defeated. It says that two of the kingdoms rose up and started fighting one other kingdom. In confusion, they two began to fight one. And then once that, that, that nation was destroyed, the other two began to fight each other. That to the point that by the time the people of Israel arrived, there was not a single person alive. And all they had to do was go out and say, well, gold, huh, resources, arm, armor, money. And they begin to con- just take all of that with them. So Paul says, when we follow Christ, that you are more than a conqueror. That's a story of more than a conqueror. Not only did God fight the battle and won it, not only did they conquer the enemy and win, they actually were more than a conqueror because now they went home with all this extra stuff. When we're more than conquerors in Christ, that means that when we fight these battles, the enemy sends our way. Not only do we win the battle, on the flip side, we actually have more to it. You know this idea when somebody goes through something difficult and they're like, man, I really would. At the time, I didn't want that on my worst enemy. But after the fact, I realized that that was actually the best thing that could happen to me. Why? Because they're more than a conqueror. Not only did they, they overcome that, but they came out with something even greater. A sense of purpose, a sense of identity, a sense of reliance on God, right? So when we face resistance, when we face challenges, a lot of times, actually, we become stronger and better when we realize that the promises of God are true. And it's like we, we get our horn, we begin to pray, we begin to praise. We're saying, God, you, you be lifted up. And the, the weapon that, that, um, that's the greatest one we have is our prayers and our ability to say, God, we, we need you. We, we want your help. Would you help us to accomplish your purposes? Help us to pray with you. So the question is, what do I do? When I don't know what to do, what do we do? I would say pray, pray, ask God. And they get a word like Josiah did. He, he said, God, we need to know what to do in this situation. And then you get a word from God that you can hold on to. And if you don't know how to do that, our small groups, we could teach you in that. That's part of why small groups exist. We're trying to teach people, hey, God wants to speak to you. God wants to help you in this journey. If you'll learn how to apply the principles, reading the, the word, reading the Bible is a way to get that. You find his promises. Um, you begin to say, God, what is it? What in the scripture do you say? You're facing something as a family and your kids, right? You don't know what to do. What are those promises that God has for your family and your kids that you could pray alongside with God? God already wants to do it. He just needs somebody to begin to say, okay, I want to partner with you and to see this become the reality. God's looking for a vehicle to say, bring some of heaven to earth. Bring heaven to wherever you walk, wherever you go, because you can do this. I'm looking for people to do that. So you pray, you get a word from God, and then all you have to do is just watch what he will do. You sit back and you say, all right, God, I've, I've done this. You tell me what to do, I'll do my part, but I'm going to watch you help me in this situation. And it's amazing how God will give us the ability to overcome things that we never thought. It's really prayer. It's, it's saying, God, I want to pray with God. Here's the problem that we think we have a lot of times as humans is when we go through something difficult, we start venting and talking to others about our situation and talking to others about God and how he's not doing anything. And really, we need to be talking to God. So I would say it like this, stop venting and start praying. Stop tweeting about it and, and Facebooking about it and Instagram about it and start praying. Because the truth is you need strength, not sympathy. We tend to go just for sympathy by saying, guys, I'm really struggling here. Well, really, you don't need sympathy. You need strength. And the one that can give you strength is not the first the friend that's saying, all right, man, you get through this. That helps. It's really the, the God who says, hey, I have a word for you. And if you'll stick with it, if you'll keep moving forward, I'll help you to overcome on the, on the other side. When we pray first in our life, you know, God does something amazing. You know, if you see the post where it says, you know, but, but first coffee or but first makeup, or but first whatever, breakfast, right? I'm going to do my life, but before, before I do that, I'm going to do this. I would say, man, prayer needs to be the first thing. We need to learn to say, God, in this, how do I bring heaven to earth? Well, it's by pausing to say, God, I want to start with you. 
when I'm facing things and I don't know what to do, pray first. Make, let it be the first thing. Jesus says this, that when we seek the kingdom of God above all else and we live righteously, he will give you everything you need. Seek first him, God, his righteousness, everything will be added to you, right? We seek him first and we begin to say, God, I want to partner with you. I want you to accomplish your things. So through my life, he gives us what we need. It's a promise Jesus makes. If you will put God first, you'll see the results. That It'll be amazing. He'll help you on this journey. Um, in fact, uh, one of the things when it comes to prayer, we believe in prayer so much as a church. I would say um, we, we understand it's a powerful weapon, so we use it all the time. In, in January, we encouraged to do prayer and fasting 21 days. In August, 21 days of prayer. Um, leading up to the church, we actually recruited 200 people to be prayer partners for our church. So about six months leading up, we were recruiting these people to pray for our first year into our second year. Uh, many of them are still praying for our church on a regular basis. Um, every week, uh, we're praying. In fact, there, uh, there's almost every week, hardly, there's hardly ever a week that this doesn't happen, but I'll, I'll walk around the, the theater and I'll, I'll come, to, come to the theater and pray for our services and pray for, for what's going to take place this weekend. In fact, during our service right now, we have a, a lady that's in the back. She's praying the, the, the whole service. So we have intercessors who pray during our services because we know it's a powerful weapon and that the enemy wants to come and try to stop things that are being deposited here and, and keep you from knowing God. So he's going to do his best to bring distractions and stop. Well, well prayer hinders that. It stops that. We, we, we invite God to come and have his way. We're saying, God, this is our space. Like, we worship you. You know, on Friday nights, they can use it for whatever they want. But on Sunday mornings, this is our space where we say, God, you be lifted up. You be glorified. That those that come to this theater, those that, that walk through these doors, they'll encounter something that's, that's powerful and that's different that they never had before. And our prayer has been, God, would you send us somebody every single week that's far from you, doesn't know you, that their life will be turned around and they begin to follow you on this journey. And for the last five, almost five years, September's five years, every single Sunday, somebody's walked through our doors and said, I want to give my life to Christ. That's not an accident. It's because of prayers going on. In fact, if you want to be one of those intercessors, we'd love for you to partner with us. We'd love to have uh, multiple people praying during our services. And so uh, uh, Johanna, she's praying right now, and she sat first service, and so she's praying second service. We had a couple who's now sitting in, our, in the back, uh, Brian and Melissa. Thank you guys so much. Uh, first service, they were praying. Now second service, they get to, get to enjoy the service. They sit in and listen, and somebody's praying for them as they listen. It's a, it's a powerful thing. We're, we're building and we're battling at the same time. God, we want to do both. Help us to do this effectively. In fact, on, on an ongoing basis, this is what I would ask you if you're part of our church, and would you join us in praying for these needs of our church? Every, every week, would you pray with this with us? Would you pray the Father would draw them to Jesus? There's people in our community that are far from God. Would you pray that God would, would draw them to, him, to, to Jesus, that, we, we, that he would bind the spirit of bl- that blinds their minds? See, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The God of this age, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He's always in trying to blind us from the things of, of God. And there's people that come to the door, and, and a lot of times for the first time, they're actually not blinded because we've actually prayed against it and said, God, would you protect that? Would you bind that? Would you stop that? The second thing is loose the spirit of adoption and sonship. We release that, um, that, that, that spirit of adoption. What does that mean? That those that, that, that come to Christ, they would be actually not just become part of the family, but there would be a change within them realizing, man, I am a son, I am a child of the king. Romans 8 says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by, and by him we cry, Father God, Abba, Father. So there's, there's this, uh, this process that God says, you're now my family. You're my son. You're my daughter. And nobody messes with my sons or my daughter. We're going to say, God, would you help people to realize that? The third thing is pray that believers would cross their paths and enter in a positive relationship with them. 
Our prayers that throughout the week, they don't have just a counter here, but for our, our family members, for the, our neighbors are lost, that God would send people, right? So Matthew, Jesus says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. And the fourth thing is, loose the spirit of wisdom and revelation on them so they may know God better. In fact, I pray this for you as you come, not just for unbelievers, but for everybody that comes to our doors. God, would you release the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better? It's a great prayer to pray when we read scriptures. God, release your spirit of wisdom and revelation so I can know you better. Ephesians 1.17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. So prayer, if it's so effective, it's so powerful, learn more about it, use it, uh, apply it, right? Prayer even helps us know if we're actually even wearing the armor that God's given us, right? Um, If you don't want to pray, usually that's the time you need to pray the most. I tell people, like, at the moment you don't want to pray about something, you probably need to pray. That's the moment you really need to pause and pray. The days you don't want to come to church, typically that's the day you probably need to be in church, right? It's just that's the way the enemy works. He tries to keep us away from the things that really need to take place. And prayer is one of those things. So I thought, you know, on a daily, daily basis, we need reminders. And so uh, we, we've got your little gift today as we end our series. It's a daily reminder, right? So on the way out, you could pick one of these up, and there's just two words on it. It just says pray, pray first. Just a little wristband for the last month. I've been wearing mine, and it's a great reminder. The very first thing I do in the morning, before I put my watch on, before I, anything else, I put my, the bracelet on. It's just a reminder, hey, Eric, why don't you pray first? You know, you're going to go into a day. You don't know what to expect. Would you pray first? And then throughout the week, when I'm, when I'm facing something, I'm preparing for a message, I'm going to do something. Instead of just jumping in, I look at my, my wristband or it covers my watch and I can't see the time. So I say, God, help me in this moment. Help me to figure these things out. And I begin to ask God, what do you want me to pray with you in these situations? What do you want me to get out of it? So the way I would, I would encourage you, pick one up. They're a gift for you. They're free. Take it with you and then use it. Would you put it on and, 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 and just make it a habit where you say, God, I'm going to pray first. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. The greatest tool I can give you is to help you to, to learn how to be an effective person, a person that prays effectively. And what does that look like? You're partnering with God in prayers. So it's not just God, give me a million dollars, right? But it's saying, God, um, if you want to pass resources to me so I could pass resources on to, to build your kingdom, like I'd be more than happy with that, right? Um, I'll, I'll be a part of that. I'll be a good steward of it. And then he'll test you. Say, yeah, here's some. Let's see what you do with this. Sometimes it's finances. Sometimes it's your time. Sometimes it's the talents you have. But it's partnering with God saying, what do you want to do in these situations? How can, how can I be, be, um, be used to bring about your kingdom? How can I be used to bring heaven to earth? So here's my challenge for today. Pray first. No, seriously, pray first. In all things, pray. Every, every, every circumstance, every, everything you're going through, pray. If you don't know what to pray for, say, God, I want to pray with you. What do I pray for? You can't think of anything? Man, pray for Sundays. Pray for me. Pray that God would, like Paul says, that give me the ability to communicate effectively the truths that are in this amazing book, this, this, the, the Bible, the Word of God that God has given us as a gift. In fact, this week, as we end August, I would encourage you one more time, would you read through the book of Ephesians? So tomorrow, read chapter 1. Tuesday, read chapter 2, Ephesians, up, up through the whole week. And this time, instead of just reading it, why don't you pray it? What I mean by praying it is, is you partner with God in what he's written, what he's told you, right? So, um, like, for example, tomorrow, if you're reading Ephesians 1, 17, we just read this. I keep asking that God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. While praying scripture, just be like, God, you, you, Paul is praying for, this, for the Christians in Ephesus, and this is a prayer for me too, that, God, I would have the spirit of revelation and wisdom so I can know you better. As I read your, your Bible today, your word today, would you give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation? You go on. He says, I pray that 
their, their eyes of their heart will be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which he's called you to, the riches and glorious inheritance in the saints. And I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope has given to those who are called, the rich and glorious inheritance that he has given to his holy people. God, would you let people that don't know you, that their eyes be opened, that they would, they would understand the gifts that you've given them and the resources you have available to them. In fact, that's my prayer for you today, if, especially for those that are, are not following Christ, that are not Christ followers. And you've come today, maybe you have some, some issues in your life going on, and you're trying to figure things out. And I would say today, God wants to invite you on a journey that he would say, let me lead your life. Let me be the God that you serve. And I'll help you to figure things out. I'll help you to, to, on this journey to be able to overcome all the schemes of the enemy. They'll be more than a conqueror. In fact, if you're here today, I pray that your hearts would be flooded with so much light that you begin to realize the confident hope that we have in Christ. The reason I do what I do is because I have more confidence than ever before that what Jesus said is true, what God's word says is true, that it works, it's effective. Even when popular culture doesn't accept it. God says, just trust me. I'll show up in the fire when they're they're trying to kill you because of it. I'll show up in the middle of it because it's not your battle. It's my battle. And the battle's already been won. Your job is to fight with me from victory, not for victory. And if we as Christians, as Christ followers, begin to accept that and understand that, we begin to make a bigger difference with our life in this world. Do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service? I hope you accept that challenge. Um, you read through the book of Ephesians and pray it, pray it as you read it so you can partner with God and his, his requests and what he wants. If you're here today, before we end our service, I want to give you an opportunity to make a decision um, to become a son or a daughter of the king. Uh, some of you in this room, you've, you know you're not walking with God. You're doing your own thing. The Bible says that for those that will turn their life to him and surrender their life to him, that he comes and he walks with us. Uh, the Bible says that those that ask God forgiveness of their mistakes and their past and their sin, that he comes and he offers forgiveness. But it takes humility and it takes acceptance to be able to start that relationship with God. And today, if you're here and, and you would like to say, you know, I, need, I, I want to follow God. I need him in my life. I want him to be the Lord of my life. I want him to lead my life. I want him to be my, the, my boss and my leader. And today I want to make that commitment to follow him. Maybe some of you have been uh, seasonal Christians. And today is the moment where you say, all right, God, I'm all in. I don't want to be seasonal. And I want, I want this to be a lifestyle. I want this to be a daily daily thing that I serve you and follow you all the time. If that's you today, uh, I would love to lead you in a prayer. And I'm not going to call you to the front, but right there in your seat, just lead you in a prayer. Or if you're here today and you say, that's me, would you pray with me? Would you lift your hand right in your seat, right where you're at? Say, that's me. I need God in my life. Awesome. I need God. Awesome. Anybody else? I'm here today and, and I cannot do it without God. For you to raise your hand, um, lead you in a prayer. And if you're a Christ follower in this room, would you pray with us? They're not praying alone. Say this prayer. Say, Father God, today I acknowledge that I cannot do this life without you. Would you forgive me of my past, of my sin, and give me a new start? Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on that cross so I could have victory. I invite you into my life. Lead me. Guide me. I put my trust in you. Help me to live out the life you want me to live. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate those that raised their hand and prayed that prayer. So good.